0: Hi, today is February 5th, 2023. This is Mobile Views Podcast 444. I'm Todd O'Goss Ward, my good friend John Westfall. And, um, for our fives of listeners, I did put out a mini-podcast mm-hmm. in between uh, 4.43 last week and 4.44 today, and it's only like uh, 4 minutes, 45 seconds long, and the meat of it really is the last 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um I learned last week, I forget where I read about it, but Adobe has something called Adobe Podcast, which is currently in beta. It's a free beta. You don't have to... Do you have to sign up? I think if you have an Adobe account, even a free one like me, uh, it works with it. And it claims to do noise reduction and speech enhancement specifically for podcasts. So I tossed in podcast number 440, I think, that John and I recorded a few weeks ago. And I chose that one because I recorded it using a... Low-end or lower-end mic. I'm using a Yeti a Blue Ice Yeti Nano, which is not a high-end mic, but it's a it's a nice you know hundred-dollar mic. And I used a kind of a no-name uh, thirty-dollar mic a couple of weeks ago, just a test. I thought it sounded okay, but you know not as good. So I tossed in the podcast and I let it process, and then I clipped out about ten seconds of the same segment from from uh, the pre and post processing, so that you could hear an A/B example and to me it sounded muddier um i mean it was okay it wasn't bad it was just it just seemed like the the, it was clipping off the high frequencies uh john sounded to me a little odd and i'm not quite i think it's because john is a deeper voice than i do and when you start clipping things they i think they're clipping at the bottom Mm -hmm. too um you know his mid-range doesn't sound the same as his normal kind of baritone voice Mm -hmm. and so uh I thought it was okay, and I'm gonna. But maybe it was a bad test because, as I noted in the mini podcast blog notes, or in the mini podcast, we use Microsoft. John and I use Microsoft Teams to record these podcasts, which already does noise cancellation or noise reduction. I should say, not noise cancellation. And so it may be that so some of the frequencies were already removed, and then Adobe came in and says, "Well, I'm just going to do more, <laughs> just so it <laughs> sounds different." <laughs> um. And so maybe that wasn't a fair test. What I'm going to do next is I'm going to record a podcast, a mini podcast, using um, a microphone outdoors, which is something I've been wanting to try anyway, and uh, see what it does with that. So but what did you think, John? You took a listen to the A-B test. Yeah.
1: So I, I listened to it, and honestly, it wasn't – it did not steam that there was much of a difference and that was also it was a very short a b test so mm-hmm. i didn't have a lot to, to look at or listen to in this case i didn't look at anything i don't see the sound waves but <laughs> uh i thought it, it probably was not worth the processing time so to add in a, an additional step it just didn't seem like it would be needed but i do i think it's interesting definitely podcasting is something and especially remote podcasting like we do is something Mm -hmm. that people are getting more and more interested in and the pandemic only made that more more imperative so there's a lot of cool hardware that i've been seeing uh there's a hardware that's on kickstarter right now that is a little pod that is basically a central recorder and then four microphones that you can pull off and clip to the shirts of people around a table so that everyone's feed is clean and you can mix it and and that sort of thing so i and obviously uh we've played around with some of the web scenarios for capturing audio so we're we're in an interesting time where people are getting more and more interested in the quality of these things because Let's be honest, they live mostly in people's heads through earphones. Yep. You're not really playing these over loud speakers usually. So, you Except want in that the car. Sound to be, <laughs> yeah. So you want that sound to be very... I guess that's probably the, the crossover, right? It used to be that when you were doing something like this, which was akin to talk radio or right. something on those lines, that it was going to be in a car. And I remember a friend of mine years ago did some recording in a professional recording studio and in the corner of the control booth there was a really low-end really tinny speaker and the friend asked well why do you have that there and the person who was doing the mixing said every time I finish a mix I always play it through that as well because that's what people in their car do.
0: That's a good now, idea. I want to
1: make sure that I didn't accidentally mix something to a point that it sounds really good over high end studio equipment, but it sounds horrible over what most people are listening to. Right. And so, today, yeah. if we're all listening through AirPods or wireless headsets or even wired headsets, that's a different sort of mix. And it's not as forgiving in some cases of extreme highs and extreme lows than those other drivers were years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and I should note that uh, when when John and I do the, these podcasts, I do do a little bit of post-processing on it, so uh, I run it through um, uh, a two products, well, actually a couple of products, but one product, I record using Audio Hijack Pro from Rogue Amoeba, and then I use um, another Rogue Amoeba product called Fission to try to normalize our are um, volume levels. It, it doesn't do a good a job as the freeware I used to use, but that freeware is no longer functional on 64-bit Mac, so um, I can't use it. I guess I could shunt it to a Windows machine and use it there, but it eh, seems like too much trouble. But at any rate... So, I do do some normalization of the audio and then I th- toss it into Audacity. And sometimes my John's volume level is always usually good, but mine is variable. And I don't know why. Probably because I'm not speaking um, at the right distance from a microphone. Um, and so sometimes I have to increase my volume levels to a bit more because uh, uh, Fission doesn't do enough volume leveling to really even that out. So, um, In any case, we we do do some audio, you know, post-processing for this stuff. I I was really hopeful that uh, Adobe Podcast, especially since it's free, (laughs) at least for now, uh, would do just some amazing, because their sample, you can really tell the difference. if You listen to the sample uh, audio that they provide to give you an idea of what it can do. And again, what I'm going to do is really give it a worst case scenario. I'm going to use a cheap mic outdoors (laughs) and see what it can, you know, what it can do with that and that might it might still solve something for me because i really really want to do an outdoor kind of walk and talk podcast um but I'll, I'll try to test that sometime this week and post a little another mini podcast to see how it's going but at any rate it's interesting adobe podcast uh beta and i'll put a link in the show notes to it later i think it might just be podcast.adobe.com but uh, but i'll uh, for sure All right, um, speaking of, and they claim, I think it's AI-ish, although they don't really push the AI-ish that much. Um, The other thing uh, that came up, speaking of AI, is the Microsoft's um, ChatGPT or GPT-powered Bing, which I, you know, at first I wasn't very interested in ChatGPT when I first heard about it in November, December, early December when it launched. But it's mm-hmm. become more and more interesting. I, I'm just I, I'm more fascinated that we have end user AI tools now. You know, instead of yes. needing to be pretty close to mathematicians and use you know build your own neural networks and all that kind of stuff. Um, I I actually use Bing a little bit, John. I know this is hard to believe, but I use it. F- I like its news feed actually, Bing.com/news. And I would be willing to use Bing more if it had you know GPT-ish AI knowledge base
1: behind well. it. And we know that Microsoft, that's, this is something that for a couple of months now, people have been saying, I have a thinking suspicion that this is, uh, this is something that Microsoft is looking to do, is make Bing more interesting and more useful by using AI. Yeah. And definitely, especially as you think about the way that um, we've gotten to kind of a, a stupid level of ads on Google <laughs> and in other places where you know the first five or six items might be an ad on some google search pages and then you have to figure out not only what isn't an ad and what is an ad yeah. you have to figure out what it does which one of those search results actually answers your question and uh, so i see a lot of promise for chat gpt in as an alternative Knowledge generation or knowledge finding mechanism. Yeah. versus just um, a search result. So we right. will we'll, we'll see where it goes, but yeah. if it makes being a viable alternative to Google I'm fine with that because I'd like a viable alternative to Google truly
0: truly uh, and two things to note about that is uh, Thing number one is that the verge and I'll put a link in the show notes uh, or I put, put a link in a blog from the show notes, the Verge reports that some people have seen, have taken screenshots alleged screenshots of Bing apparently briefly running with a GPT engine turned on. Uh, that's uh, item number one and uh, item number two uh, related to it is that what is going to be integrated with Bing allegedly is GPT-4 whereas chat GPT is based on GPT-3 so it's a you know next generation of gpt and you know this thing is not very old it's only a couple of years old so mm-hmm. they've really been moving along really quickly in yeah. versioning it's really it's really pretty amazing i mean john i think you probably when you went to school you you remember um learning about the 1960s eliza and then then the 1950s touring test concept and mm-hmm. And all of that and not, well, I'm a lot older than you, but I remember when I was reading about it as a youngster, I said, well, it's never going to pass that test. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm not so sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I just never would. There are certain things I still don't know if we want to do conversationally versus a button. And that's, you know, uh, this morning, for example, I was out on a walk and it's, colder than I like, so I have a pair of gloves that are heated gloves, because I'm okay with being cold in many places, but my hands annoy me when when they're frozen, or at least I feel they're frozen, and (laughs) so I wanted to change the music track I was listening to, I didn't want to listen to the track I had, and I, you know, it took a moment before I thought, okay, fine, I'll just ask Siri to do it, (laughs) instead of pulling my glove off fishing my phone out of my pocket. (laughs) That's a weird thing when literally it's a one second Siri request or a five to ten second physical action and I generally take the physical action all, you know, 99.9% of the time. And I don't know why. Because Siri does it just fine for at least that particular task. It does fine 99% (laughs) of the time. It's hard for it to screw up, although Siri can screw up other things quite easily. So yeah, I don't know why I... I'm so resistant to talking to my computers, but they're ready to listen. Am I ready to talk?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think there's something either, I'm not sure what the word would be, either simply familiar or comforting about physical uh, interaction. Like, I am doing something, you know, versus just talking, which some people would say is nothing. Uh I know that in modern devices, I'm really irritated that I don't have a push button to turn things on, you know, the (laughs) press-to-hold stuff. I hate that. We just had to get a new washing machine a few weeks ago, and it's a press-to-hold, and I just, I've gotten used to it, but I just, I still don't like it. I like a physical, I like a, they should have put at least a click in there, you know, to give me the feeling that I'm doing something, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a digital fake click. Uh, sort of well, like why do you
1: think Apple has their their taptic engine and taptic feedback? There you, you know, go. The idea right? that when you press down on that uh, trackpad, it's not really moving; it's just pushing back so that it feels like it moved. Exactly. I, you know, there's it's.
0: You know, we grew up we grew up with touch. At least those of us who don't have any neural damage, for, are fortunate enough not to have. Sure. And it's uh, it's comforting to know that yes, I did something. But any case. Especially the new stuff, I I just I just don't like it. Get off my lawn, kids! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this, you know. And I say I do use Bing. I really like Bing News, actually. I, I refer to it quite often. Okay, more more AI stuff, more open AI, especially so. Nine to five Mac, and this was confusing to me. But and I'll, I'll I have two links for this one. Nine to five Mac. Had a really interesting uh, article about something they called or referred to as Mac Whisper. It's a macOS app that uses a- OpenAI to transcribe audio files into text. And you know, normally that's pretty expensive to do, either using a human service or even some of the uh, automated ones. Um, I know there's a couple out there that um, I think my podcast host has one, but I think you got to pay for it. And so I'm going to go take a look at it. I'm not sure what they mean by long and short and all of that. Uh, I went to the Mac uh, App Store and I couldn't find it but when I searched for Mac Whisper using two words instead of one uh, like 9to5 uh, does, uh, it came up with Whisper Transcription. Now when I looked at the screenshots in the 9to5 Mac article and I looked at the screenshot for Whisper Transcription it's the exact same screen- screenshot as Mac Whisper so I su- I'm assuming it's the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm give it a try. I don't know. Your students might start using it. They might start recording you and just transcribing your lecture. Although I think you provide such good notes, they might not need to do that.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, I I that would. Uh, I don't know if my students are even at the point where they care to think about what I say in class. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, some of them do more than others. But uh, I like this idea really for times when I need to take in something quickly and I can read it a lot faster than I can listen to it. And unfortunately the only way that I can get it is through audio. And there are times as a professor where people will send me something and say, Oh, we really want your thoughts on this. We really, and it's just unfortunately a 30 minute audio file or a 30 minute video. And I don't have 30 minutes, but if I can run it through something like this and then read the transcription in five, 10 minutes, it would be a lot easier. So that's the nice thing about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, and gosh, I remember uh, this is before people, before, again, I'm old. This is before we had digital audio recorders and things like that. I remember as a, as a youngster, uh, some students bringing in cassette tape recorders to record, mm-hmm. with their permission, to record their professors. And uh, I just said, wow, that must be so, much, so time-consuming to listen to the whole Lecture twice, you know, (laughs) to get your notes. You know,
1: it's funny because you're you mentioned that, and I think about a lot of my dissertation students when they have me on their committee, and I usually serve as their methodologist. They will say, "Well, I want to do a mixed methods approach." Okay, which means they want to do qualitative and quantitative data. And generally, what they yeah generally what they're thinking of is they don't really like numbers. So they don't want to do a lot of they don't want to do a lot of quant. And so they think, well, if I do a mix, then I don't have to do as much quant. I can do qualitative stuff, and that's what they think of as more fun. Yeah. So for example, they'll say, Well, I'll give out this survey and we'll calculate this one thing, but then I'll also do ten interviews and I'll, you know, I'll talk about what I hear in the interviews. Yeah. And I look at them and I say, Okay, um, so, do you think you'd have enough time to transcribe those interviews? And they look at me and go, what, why would I do that? <laughs> and I say, well, that's qualitative data analysis. You, you start with a transcription and then you're going to be looking, you know. And, and in, their mind, in their mind, qualitative is I listen to it once and I take some notes afterward and then I write it up. And I have to disabuse them of that knowledge. And generally by the end of it, they're saying, you know, maybe just a purely quantitative dissertation wouldn't be so bad. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, never underestimate the amount of time it takes to go through a real-time lecture again or a real-time presentation again. And definitely if you are writing a dissertation and you think to yourself, numbers are scary, I'll just go qualitative. uh, It's not as easy as you think. And as many of my... Uh, mentors like to point out 99% of the time you do qualitative you're going to eventually end up quantitative because you're going to use some sort of analysis that will count the number of times something is said or the number of times this occurred or so yeah you're right back to square one qualitative not easier than quantitative yeah.
0: I, I will say that if you have enough time or you and you have the means and you know uh, that, that the one thing I've done uh, in the work environment not in a school environment is we've done focus groups uh, to help us develop a survey to give mm-hmm. us some called qual- quantitative data, you know, basically get. get I think we did like in four or five focus groups, and you know, we asked had to you know, various kinds of interactions, which were transcribed <laughs> by a professional, mm-hmm. and yeah. then doing we analyzed that, and then we figured out well. You know, these are the questions we asked. These are responses we got. You know, these are kind of, this is how we're going to develop this. This is going to help us guide the develop stories surveys. You know, it does have a place. It's just, it's just the order. You don't do it at the same time, in my yeah. opinion. The other exactly. thing I would say is, um, speaking of time consuming, is if you ever did any um, um, lab animal work, um, one of the things you often have to do if you're doing behavioral, you got you to gotta video record all the animals as you're uh-huh, working with yeah. them. And then you got to watch it again. <laughs> Make sure you're taking the data correctly, you know, in real time, and that is my goodness, that is time consuming. And I have had to do that. I also got bit by a rat once, but was not happy with the whole real time aspect. But,
1: anyway, right. yeah, I've got a scar from a rat bite between two of my fingers. Uh, not, uh, not my rat, thankfully, a friend's rat, but uh. <laughs> I always say that you have to to have any degree in psychology. You do you really have a psych degree if you don't have a rat bite scar somewhere <laughs> on you?
0: <laughs> well, this was a feral rat that we working with. Oh and I, well, you know. I had to go get a tetanus you know, boy, shot and everything. It was annoying, but anyway, rate, the campus clinic took care of me. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah. So Matt Whisper. Maybe, I think a person from the UK wrote this based on their use of the pound, I think, in their pricing. So I maybe they have different names in the UK App Store and the US App Store. But here apparently it's called Whisper Transcription. And I think I might take a look at it. Um, another mini podcast test, maybe. All righty. John has a whole bunch of ideas, which I find fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting close to Valentine's Day. And while Todd and I, uh, you know, are in long term committed relationships with other people, not with each other. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess we've been a long time podcasting partners for almost <laughs> 10 years now, but in a, in a different kind of relationship. We each have a significant other romantic partner. And so, and we've been with that person for long periods of time, so maybe we're not as interested in some of this. Uh, <laughs> but I do think it's interesting, the spouse tech sort of uh, realm. And so a couple of things that I, I found interesting that I know personally I don't think my spouse would, would go for, but maybe yours would. Uh, the, so these bracelets or these uh, ways of this. communicating through uh, either touch or through light. Uh, I've seen a few of these where you buy a pair of these bracelets, and then if you tap on one, it sends a signal through Bluetooth Low Energy to your phone. Your phone sends a message to their phone. Their phone sends a message through Bluetooth Low Energy to their bracelet, and it replicates the touch. Or you can do this with uh, little light-up charms. So it's sort of a passive way of saying, I'm thinking about you. Of course, you could just text them. Yeah, and say I'm thinking about you, but I guess that's that's too active in a way. (laughs) Uh -uh. And then there's uh, another one that is a box (laughs) that uh, basically the little heart on the front spins and you open it and there's a message inside that your partner or whoever you have this hooked up with has sent you. (laughs) So some interesting ways, like I said, I find it very interesting that this is not active, but a more passive way of communicating that I'm thinking about you when uh, the whole idea is that you're using technology, and technology is more of an active uh, endeavor. So I don't know, Todd, do you do you see this as something that would actually be beneficial to a relationship, or do you think this is just tech for the sake of, ooh, that's kind of cool, we'll put it well... out and see if anyone bought it.
0: You know, I guess they did market research. Well maybe they didn't do market research, but <laughs>
1: that's always a dangerous assumption to make that they did some research. But uh, you know, you can't
0: account individual differences are fascinating, right, John?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and sometimes you even even your spouse, you know, I bet you there are things that they, they say or do or prefer and you go, really? That's really what you prefer, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been married over thirty years, and I still say that it's really you're going to eat that yep. thing, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that it's well, it's uh, not definitely. Even when we we're young, I don't think we would have been interested. in This
1: I see. And that's what I find sort of interesting about this. It's you know who is the target demographic for this? Because yeah. if you're under. If you're younger than I am and you are firmly in millennial or Gen Z, I really don't see this as being something that you would, I mean, maybe, maybe some of my students, they would find it endearing if their boyfriend bought them a bracelet that lit up whenever he touched it. But I don't know if he would actually touch it uh, (laughs) because, you know, I don't think many of my 20 year old male students would have any interest in that. Yeah. Uh, And yet, people older, you know, my age and older, we didn't grow up with that whole idea of instant on, always connected communication. So now that we have it, I think we utilize it as we want to. And we sort of know that our partners think about us from time to time, or at least we hope so. And if they're not thinking about us from time to time, we probably don't want to know that.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. Like, why didn't you touch your bracelet?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think about that. So now you're getting in trouble. You buy this thing, and the first week or two, you're using it all the time, and then you know six months go by, and you haven't used it at all, and your spouse is starting to get a little annoyed, or your partner is starting to get a little annoyed with you that you did not uh, did not use it. Yeah, John, I, I would love to know if anyone knows anyone that's bought anything like this and they use it all the time and they love it. Please let me know because I just want to talk to them about. This what might, they're getting out of it. This
0: might be a Skinner box without the box.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's possible. <laughs> you know, and it's More negative feedback. Like a feedback. Why, why puzzle f- box, you know.
0: You know? Get
1: out of trouble. Yeah.
0: It, you know, it might be It might be a response to, uh, why didn't you touch a bracelet? So you start doing it every now and then to avoid that negative reinforcement. You have, a,
1: you have a reminder that pops up on your phone, you know, every... <laughs> yeah. And, and okay. then your spouse figures it out that it's every you know day at seven thirty or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So then you have to create a randomized uh, yeah. a timer, you know, to remind you that yeah, I know. And
0: random it's- reinforcement is the most powerful anyway. So that's actually well, yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but your computer, but if you're setting up a random tech you know <laughs> reminder then you've got to use a good seed mm. so that it doesn't fall into the same you know issue so i,
0: I think a quasi random is enough most people can't detect okay. quasi random patterns i think but
1: yeah okay well, so I, I'm you know for years uh, not with romantic partners cuz i only have one of those uh, but i've had with friends i've wanted to remember to reach out to them and so if it's a friend i don't see very often i do set a reminder to myself and i have that i usually pick a number between 60 and 90 and just put it on for you know every 85 days contact so and so and oh, so far no nice. one has figured out no one has figured out their number uh so i guess that's good but uh you know there is but then talk about strange psychosis I get mad at myself because <laughs> I think I should just, they're my friend. I should have already thought to contact them. I shouldn't need a reminder to right. tell me to contact someone I care about. But yet this is present John mad at past John for knowing that future John needed a reminder for it. Yeah.
0: No, I think so that's I'm just, just mad smart. at
1: myself, but different <laughs> times of myself.
0: Yeah. No, it's yeah. just smart. It's smart.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, did okay,
0: we'll one, I, I did think of one. I did think of one use case slash category group that might be interested in this stuff. Plus the next one you have, people okay. who are in long distance relationships, which I have never yeah. experienced. So I don't know what that's like, um, but I can maybe.
1: You know, the last time I was in one, uh, the first five years of my relationship with my wife uh, yeah. was during the dial up internet era, <laughs> and I actually just told someone this morning. That at that time, we used ICQ as yeah. our primary way of messaging because ICQ supported offline messages.
0: Oh. Whereas
1: AOL, Instant Messenger, Yahoo Messenger, none of them supported offline. Right, right, so right. if you weren't on at the same time as the other person, you were out of luck. Uh,
0: right. And, ICQ. As, and as you might re- remember, if you remember MSN Messenger... Uh, this is not a Valentine's thing, although I think we did all of use it once. And when we we're all in uh, Redmond on Valentine's, is uh, we used to use MSN Messenger to keep in touch with other MVPs, so we could find each other for lunch and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Yep. Um I don't know, but it's still easier to use that than a bracelet, <laughs> or that, or Probably the next is. thing, you, the next link you have, which I just clicked on.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I had uh, a discussion. So are you looking at the, the app? I am. So this is another one that kind of goes with this. It's Locket it app, which is actually the story behind Locket is that it was a programmer that just built this for his, I believe, partner uh, so that it was a widget sitting on her home screen and he could just send things to her <laughs> throughout the day. And I actually think that's a really cool idea. Uh, I thought, I floated it past my wife from time to time, but she's not gone for it yet. I could just grab her phone and install it at some point. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if she looks at her phone screen enough to, to notice that. But I do sort of like that idea of a passive. And it's sort of the same thing as uh, these companies now that produce connected picture frames where anyone can send you a yeah. picture. Now that makes uh, sense. You might not know that the picture is there until you actually take a look and go, oh, there's a new picture on the picture frame. So I do kind of like those ideas of passive sending. And I think that's a lot more useful than buying a specific device or a specific piece of hardware. Uh, so if you're thinking about how mm-hmm. do I show someone that I care about them, I would try LockIt app first.
0: Right.
1: Especially since it is free. And it's yes. Free as in free, free. It does not have oh. an uh, in-app purchase of any right. kind. There's no pro mode. It's an actual free app, which it is says increasingly rare.
0: It's got a 4.8 out of 5 rating in the App Store. And it's it, it says it's number 19 in social networking, mm-hmm. which surprises me, actually. I wouldn't think it'd be that high up in the the social networking food chain, so to speak.
1: Yeah, especially since it is, <laughs> as far as I know, iOS only. Yeah, It's not. Uh, of course, I'm looking at the other 18 in front of it, and I don't know half of these. So Letterboxd. <laughs> have you ever heard of Letterboxd? Nope. I don't know. Uh, LitStick. That sounds interesting. It's a stickers app, Lit apparently. Stick. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of ways to communicate these days that I don't use.
0: Yeah. You know, actually, I'm looking at the top ten. Mm -hmm. And I, let's see, I think I know the first six. No, I've never heard of Telegram Messenger. Uh, That's number four. Life 360, nope. Be real,
1: nope. I I do know a lot of families that got on Life 360 back before Apple and Google started building out their family ecosystem. Because Life 360 has been around for a while. So they, they, go
0: ahead. I was just going to say, I'm opening up number 10. Because it says GroupMe Skype Communications?
1: Yeah, I've, uh, that's actually a very popular one with my students is GroupMe. But
0: Skype, communic- so is Skype different from Microsoft Skype? I mean. No idea. That is weird. Okay. Skype Communications. Oh, it says Copyright Microsoft 2023. It's a Microsoft application. Hmm. Interesting. Man. I have never heard of this.
1: We, we need to network more. Socially. Yeah, at least know yeah. some of these apps more.
0: Yeah, we just don't like people enough. That's all.
1: <laughs> that could be it. That could be.
0: At uh, any rate, that those are those are actually fascinating finds, John. I, again, even when I was younger, I don't think I would have. Well, maybe it's just me, you know. I'm just not really socially adept. <laughs>
1: you know, we all have our strengths, <laughs> and we all have non-strengths, I suppose. <laughs>
0: I love your next, I love your, actually, wait, let us see where we, uh, actually, next, next question, but why don't you go with the, the next one?
1: So, uh, you know, this is an interesting one about, um, do people still send flowers, chocolates, and other stuff to other people? Because mm, mm. uh, I've i found that that is something that seems to be dying off, uh, or maybe it's just a young couple thing. I have not sent my wife anything in a long time, uh, i brought, I brought her stuff occasionally. You know, Same. stuff I'll see at the store. I'll go out and get something, but actually sending like delivery of flowers or something. Yeah,
0: why would you deliver something yeah. where you live? Yeah. I, yeah, mean, I don't know. You know where,
1: where you- <laughs> but uh, it, it's interesting to me because I wonder if that's a product of either getting older in a relationship or always having always available communication. Whereas in the past. If you were thinking about someone and they were at work, you might not have felt comfortable calling their work line because work lines were a thing, you know, and you might not have wanted to pay long distance for that or they weren't allowed to get work phone, you know, personal phone calls on a work line. True, But yet uh, having something delivered, you know, and plus you would get potentially brownie points from coworkers that saw you, you sent something to them. Yeah. Uh, so I have no idea if, uh, if people still do that. Um, one thing I do try to do that I think backfires on me more than actually works is trying to get my spouse into tech or buying them <laughs> tech that I think that they would actually use. Yeah. And that is a hard one. I, I, uh, because
0: yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say something about flowers. So you know, I I've worked in uh, a number of offices with fairly large populations. You know, a hundred or more. Uh, we tended to be an older population because you know, IT government, mm-hmm. either one of those. You know, without making a Venn diagram, either one of those tend to be older by definition. Uh-huh. And I can't say I saw a lot of flowers delivered or candy. Yeah. In in over the last you know twenty years or whatever, let's say. So I I'm going to say I don't see it much. I have seen it and uh you know and it's not necessarily young people only. So that was sort of interesting too. But I I I don't know. I think I think people <laughs> buy flowers more on Mother's Day and things like that than on Valentine's. Day. That's just my yeah. guess cuz most, you know, anyway.
1: Yeah, I I do not know. Um and maybe it is just a young couple thing and so yeah. maybe we need some people that have just recently got into relationships to tell us what they're doing.
0: Yeah, especially uh, in the long-distance one, I, I, I'd like to know about that, too. You could go do a survey, John. Go do a survey. Yeah. Those of you in long-distance, would you? <laughs> yes, yeah, so of our fives
1: say. of listeners, maybe one of them that's in a long-distance relationship. With each other. But okay. uh, so going to my last idea, you know, Valentine's Day, you're a techie. You think maybe yeah. I'll just get my spouse or my partner into something that is – that might make their life better. Yeah. And man, that's tough. Uh, my tip is if you really think that they need to use technology, they're different technology than what you're using. Think about what of yours they steal yes. or what they spontaneously started using. So yeah. occasionally I'll notice that I have a little gadget of some sort that my wife will grab to use and hmm. I can go, "Oh, well, that would be good to, to get for her. Hmm. Uh like rechargeable flashlights or something along those lines. Um, and I actually did ask my wife before the podcast what she has enjoyed using. Like, what have I, what's been a, a win over the last 10 years, 20 years? Because there have been enough failures uh, of things I bought <laughs> her and she just never really wanted to use. Uh, And her response was interesting. Uh, Cloud storage solutions. So getting her the ability to use things like Dropbox, especially she knew how to use it at home. And then it started becoming very handy for her to understand cloud storage when it got into her workplace, because that was we were using cloud storage at home before uh, work had started to roll out cloud storage. Uh, And interfacing between devices, so getting her into an ecosystem where things talk to each other, I think was unexpected for her that she enjoyed that as much. Uh, So originally, you know, she was uh, a Windows PC and an Android phone or a Windows PC and an iPad or an iPhone, and then getting her an iPad and her noticing that the iPad and the iPhone talk to each other and that things sync up and... Then for a long time it was, oh, I'll never use a Mac. And then her laptop started having issues, so I just threw her one of my old MacBooks to play with, and now she's on a Mac. Mm. So sometimes you can't really push things. You just have to let people figure out that it works for them. Mm. And uh, the two other apps that really have helped are things like Anylist, which is what we use for our shared shopping list and meal planning and recipe storage and all that and 1Password, uh, our password manager. And before 1Password, we'd used LastPass for a while, uh, sharing items out, so. Right,
0: am I'm, gu- I'm guessing you're glad you moved. <laughs>
1: yes, very glad that I moved and deleted LastPass many years ago. And actually, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, if you're a KeePass user, which KeePass is a nice local storage option, they're actually, Decent Mac and iOS KeyPass apps now. I know at least four or five years ago, it was still really tough to find a decent Mac OS or iOS KeyPass
0: uh, and KeyPass key is open source, if I recall correctly. Is that right? Yes. Okay, which is even better in some ways.
1: Yeah. And the the apps that I found for iOS and Mac OS. So the Mac OS app is. Uh, let me see here it is on this computer macpass m-a-c-p-a-s-s and for ios the app that i've found works well for keypass is keypassium K E E <laughs> P A S S I U M. both of them i believe offer in-app purchases for upgrades but their core functionality is free and if you just have a local keypass and i actually still do keep a local backup of my one password in KeyPass format that i backup every so often uh it is it's nice to have the ability to open it and view it on all my devices if i care to plus i have a really old key pass vault that was originally from my ilium e-wallet vault oh so when i need to go back about 23 years in password history i still can just kind so- of bizarre
0: so FYI, I still use e- Ilium E Wallet Go
1: mm-hmm.
0: on my iPhone. It's a uh, it's a great little app. I think it's still available. I mean, it still works for sure, and it syncs with uh, iCloud and Dropbox, and I think maybe Google Drive. So yeah, your choice, not all at once. Can I do it all at once? Might be. Maybe that's a good idea. Um, I think it's 256-bit encryption, so it's you know not super powerful encryption, but it should keep out most nasties. Uh, you know, unless they've got a quantum computer or something. Mm. Or a lot of time. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, an Ilium, eWallet, and List Pro are still available. They're All right. Still, Ilium's still around.
0: Great, great. And then and I sh- we should know that John and I know them because, at least I think I know this is why John knows, because they used to be on Windows CE. Oh, yeah. And Pocket. And they were my favorites. And, in fact, the reason I switched from Windows Phone to iPhone is because when Windows Phone 7 came out and no longer you know, had backward compatibility with Windows CE apps, Pocket PC phone apps, I said, I can't live without eWallet, and so I'm going to go to a platform that supports it.
1: <laughs> that was the mm-hmm. iPhone. So, Well, the funny thing is my uh, old, old backup, if I pull it up, the reason I still keep it is it has a ton of registration codes from software I bought back in the Windows CE era. So I have one or two Windows CE devices, but I still have probably 150 registration codes for a ton of random things. And I guess in case I ever need them, they exist. But just looking at some of these, and still one of my favorite ones that I am just amazed doesn't exist for iOS is uh, there was an app on Windows on Pocket PC called Meeting Mute, Mute, Meeting Mute, all one word. And all it did was it looked at your calendar and it could mute your phone when you went into a meeting and then unmute your phone when you came out. And for some reason, we don't have that ability today built into iOS and probably it's not built into Android either. Uh, And it could get specific. It could look for different tags on your meetings. So you could have certain meetings that were muted and other meetings that weren't. But just a very simple feature that is conspicuously absent today.
0: You know, I was just thinking. You know, as you were talking about these old Windows CE apps, I haven't thought about in years,
1: except for Ilium Go E Wallet,
0: which I still use. Uh, we should have a we should have a podcast with some of our former MVP friends, not former friends, but former friends <laughs> who are former MVPs, <laughs> and talk about some of our favorite old apps and w- do we still use them? Like E Wallet in my case, or I just went to look up to see if HandyBase is still around, and it is, uh, by D D D H Software, uh, which is a great great little database for Windows CE, and I think it support. I guess it runs on iPhone and Android and stuff now. Um, I actually used it to do blogs in the old days. So what I did is I would write my blogs in HandyBase on the go on my like my handheld PC. It could output the XML, and I had a I had a JavaScript routine on my website that just took the raw XML and formatted it into a blog. So mm-hmm. it was um, it was a real nice database. Um, you know, I I don't really use databases anymore. I mean, not, you know native database, natively installed databases anymore because we've got so many other things we can use in the cloud. But it's still there. It's uh, boy, what does it cost? I should I should go look. Doesn't have a. What is handy base? I don't know. I should go look at it again. This is fun. We should go talk about that with our friends. I'm, I asked Don, Sorsanelli if he could join us. We should get Swen and Jack and some other friends on. See what they think. But at any rate, in, in terms of what do what what does my wife steal? Um, she asks. But you know, I've lost a lot of good cables. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have a three foot long? lightning cable oh the worst is when she upgraded to her ipad last year so she moved from an uh, ipad air i don't know i think it was 2019 2018 to the you know latest gen and it, you know it had switched from lightning to usbc uh mm-hmm. which is great but now she needed you know i had her all set up with cables and stuff and i said well now i need a cable for it i need you know for, for whatever i said oh yeah I have some, but, yeah, the short ones are hard to find. <laughs> They're expensive, <laughs> but you can you can have some because, you know, because you're you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else could have it. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. At least not for free. <laughs> um, but other than that, I would guess like you, it's, it's really cloud services has become a thing. I will tell you a f- funny story I think I've told you before. So when my daughter was in high school, and this was years ago, um this is back when text messages still were had a per message cost, I think. Um one day I started getting text messages from my wife, which I'd never gotten before. And my daughter who was still in high school, I you know, picked her up from school, and said Did you teach mom how to send text messages messages? He goes, Yes. I go. She tell her to stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she sent it <him> to me. <laughs>
0: but uh yeah, so there were things like that. Um I, I was looking at a picture my daughter sent me recently. Oh, they, they mean they, my daughter, my wife, my sister-in-law, and some of their friends went, took a tour of New Zealand last year, last October. And my daughter, I, most of the photos I thought I'd seen, but I guess she, she took a real camera and she finally got around to unloading the real camera, the digital camera. And there's a picture of my wife and my sister-in-law and one of their friends, who I don't know, all huddled around. Looking at their phones, doing something, and I asked my daughter, "What are they doing in this photo?" It says um, they're they're trying to use they're trying to use um, oh heck what is that uh, what is that feature called when you AirDrop? They're trying to learn to use AirDrop. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Ah, that explains the puzzlement on their faces." You know, <laughs> but um, at any rate, I I, I can aside from cables, the iPad and the iPhone is probably you know the big one. That's like, yeah, that that's way better than Ryan. This is years and years and years ago, but that's way better than I'm using. Um, I can't really think of much else, you know? Although I, re- I don't know if I told you this story. So when I, my wife and I used to work at the same company many, many decades ago. And um, my, I worked for the IT side, as you might have guessed. And I we supported their department. And so one of the things I did was I had everybody at Mice, which at the time were like, this is like 1989, and so this was kind of a new thing um, back then. People didn't really have mice in their computers, and it could, mostly for Microsoft Word, which is still running in DOS, by the way. Um, and I passed by her office, and I looked at her. And I, said, I I poked my head and and says, "You know, you're holding the mouse backwards." And you, <laughs> any anyway, rate, so yeah, not not a real technical person, um, but. It was an interesting conversation starter, I suppose. You're holding your mouse wrong, yeah. um,
1: and, and they we got you were qualified to, <laughs> to make that, you, know, you I always worry about correcting my wife because there's a good chance that she knows what she's doing more than I think. So. Yeah. But this is obvious. This yeah. was visibly obviously wrong. <laughs> you know, this is before
0: wireless mice, so you know the cord had to mm. face, you know, <laughs> your wrist. <laughs> but I can't. As I said, I can't really think of anything. Anything much that's really caught their fancy aside from, you know, the iPhone, iPad and, and cables. Oh, boy. I, I, I Sometimes I just buy cables in bulk when I see them at Costco because, oh, yeah, they, they took my cable. I need some
1: more. <laughs> my, well, my spare cable. Uh, it is interesting. Uh, I, I would be interested to hear from people who both people in the relationship are tech people. Uh, because it seems like most of the relationships I know, if there's a tech person, it's one person is a tech person. The other person is not all that interested in it. We can ask Swen. So I wonder I wonder what the problems are when uh, both people care passionately about technology. Yeah.
0: Swen Johansson, this is you. This is a question for you. Because his <laughs> wife is an IT person, if I recall correctly. So the two of them. Um, and she does use a lot of tech, you know, for obvious reasons, because it's her job. But any rate okay so that brings us to the end of mobile views podcast 444 which i like i just like saying that yeah uh we're heading to 450 we should do a special Mm -hmm. 450 podcast with some friends okay folks we will talk to you next time